Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are people whose eyes are not in good shape, who are not allowing their lives to be filled with light. Why? Because, listen, they're walking in darkness. And the reason they're walking in darkness, watch this, you're going to love it. The reason they're walking in darkness is because they choose to. Do you understand that folks walking in darkness don't have to? They choose to. Where you get that from, Rodney? John chapter 3, verse 19 and 20, you write this down. It says, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. People who are walking in darkness are there because it's their choice, because they don't want their evil deeds exposed. And that is why, listen, when you're walking in darkness, all your friends love you. But as soon as you give your life to Jesus Christ and you decide to walk in the light and walk close to Jesus, all of a sudden you don't have anybody to hang out with. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ten people. Anybody else? 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. I'm going to keep doing this. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Anybody else? 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. You raise your hand twice. I seen you. It's true. It is true. When you give your life to Jesus, you don't have no friends all of a sudden because now you're walking in the light and they're walking in darkness. That's why when you give your life to Jesus, you need to plan on finding new friends. You need to plan on, look, even, I don't care if your boyfriend, your girlfriend, when you say, hey, I'm a Christian, they're going to think you lost your ever-loving mind. And you know when you say ever-loving, that means it's gone. Your ever-loving mind. And don't think that when you become a Christian, that you're going to be able to draw them to Christ. I've heard that a thousand times. Well, you know, I love Jesus, and, you know, I love them too. And I tell you what, I'm just going to serve Jesus, and I'm going to save them. Pastor, I'm going to save them. I'm going to get them to church and save them. Can I tell you something? It never happens. You know why? Because we, our flesh, is weak. And we have a propensity to be drawn to darkness. You can't save, not only that, but you can't save anybody. 
Well, I'll just keep walking with Jesus and keep talking about Jesus and get him to church and I'll save him. Listen, that never happens. As a matter of fact, conversely, you know what happens? They wind up drawing you into darkness. And you find yourself right back in the same place that you started. Light and darkness do not mix. The light of God. Listen, if you're here today and you feel bad about some sin in your life or something you've been involved in, can I tell you something? You need to lift your hands and thank God that you feel bad about that. You know why? Because that means that the light of God, the Holy Spirit, is shining upon you and convicting you of that sin so that you can turn from that sin and give your heart to Jesus Christ. That means God is still working in your life and trying to draw you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? God's still trying to work in your life. That conviction and that I feel bad about that thing. That's the Lord working on you. That means he hasn't given up on you. Some people have come to me and even said, Pastor Rodney, I feel like God's given up on me. Why do you feel that? Well, I'm just too bad, Pastor Rodney. I just feel bad about what I've done. I've been involved in this and been involved in that, and I feel like God's just tired of me. God's given up on me. I feel bad. I went, no, God's not giving up on you. How do you know that? Because you feel bad about it. If you didn't feel bad about it, that would mean that the Holy Spirit's not working on you and you've just, your conscience, Paul talks to Timothy about, is seared with a hot iron. You no longer feel bad about it. But the very fact that you feel bad about it is proof positive that God is still working in you to try to draw you out of it. The light of God is still shining on you to draw you to himself, to draw you out of that sin. So when you feel that, listen, when you feel that, 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 that desire to come away from that sin, listen, don't reject it. Don't reject it. Do it today. When that light shines upon you, don't reject it. You know, there was a man by the name of Voltaire who hated Jesus. And he said, curse the wretch, talking about Jesus. He said, I will personally dismantle what it took the 12 apostles a thousand years to build in hundreds of years, the Bible will be no more, he said. Well, 100 years later, Voltaire's personal house was turned into a distribution center for the Geneva Bible. <laughs> Isn't that just like God? And Voltaire is gone. Now get this, the nurse who attended his death was a believer, and she said, as Voltaire was passing from his life, she heard him scream three times, more light, more light, more light. And he died in terrible fear, and he passed from this world. And the nurse said, I will never attend the death of an unbeliever again. Jesus says to these Pharisees, your problem is you're not needing a sign. Your problem is light, and you're not responding to the light that has come to you, and you reject it. When the light of Jesus comes to you and the Holy Spirit comes to you, the Bible says he will teach us all things. Now, who in this room, with a show of hands, knows all things? Now, I'm not asking you who thinks they know all things. <laughs> I know a lot of hands will go up then. But who in this room knows all things? Listen, no one, nobody knows all things. We don't know all things. But we do know that we didn't come from monkeys. I'm going to wait till you clap your hands. And we know that. 
And you know what's kind of mind-boggling? Some of the most brilliant people in the world, look, we, we know, we Christians, we Christian folk. I'm talking to Christian folk. I'm talking to Christian folk. We know we didn't come from monkeys. Some of the most brilliant people in the world are still not sure about that. And the Bible teaches, listen, that we have been made a little lower than angels. Can I tell you something? I would rather be a little lower than angels than a little higher than monkeys. Can I get a witness? Now hold on. We know where we came from and we know where we're going. And we know what will be the scenario of the end times of this world. And we know this world isn't going to roll on for thousands of years until humans grow really big foreheads and metamorphosize and little tiny eyes. We know that's not going to happen. The Bible says Jesus is coming. And all the signs are there. And we know all things because Jesus has brought us into the kingdom of light. And some brilliant people say Christians are fools for believing the Bible. Can I tell you something? I'd rather be a fool for Jesus than a smart guy in hell. Isn't that right? Yes, sir. And look, look at verse 37. The Pharisees, I love this verse, a Pharisee. Y'all please get this. Asked Jesus to come for dinner. Jesus went and sat down and started eating before washing his hands. And when the Pharisees saw it, he was shocked. He was amazed. And this Pharisee, listen, he isn't concerned about hygiene. He's concerned about ceremony. The Jews taught it was important to wash your hands before, during, and after meals so that you would not be ceremonially unclean. You had to hold your hands upward in a certain way and pour water over your fingers. Then you had to hold them down a certain way, pour water over your hands, and the water couldn't run down to your elbow, otherwise you were unclean. And then you had to put your right hand in. (laughs) Take your right hand out. What we got to do, y'all? The hokey pokey. (laughs) And they did this several times during the meal, this whole ceremonial hand-washing thing. They did this whole procedure. You know, I'm thinking, my goodness, I will never finish my chicken wings. <laughs> by the time you, man, by the time you, if you were eating anything and finger-licking, forget it. You're never going to finish it because you got to eat, you know, take a bite, and then you got to wash it. your hands. I mean, it's ridiculous. So they invite Jesus over And Jesus doesn't do any of this washing. Notice in verse 39, Jesus said, You make the outside of the cup and the dish clean, but your hearts are dirty and full of greed and wickedness. They said, Jesus, I can't believe you're eating with unclean hands. And Jesus said, I can't believe you're eating with an unclean heart. And then Jesus jumps right in there. Look at verse 40. He says, You fool. And doesn't that just blow away the whole Sunday school Jesus? (laughs) Doesn't it really? Jesus was so wonderful. He's so sweet and loving and kind to all of the peoples. Jesus said, fool. (laughs) I love Jesus. I don't know. I hope you do too. He says, you fools, the same one who made the outside of the cup also made the inside. And then Jesus begins to pronounce a series of six woes on them. And we'll see how many we can get to this morning. We'll pick up the rest of them next week when you come back. 
a series of woes. Now, if you're taking notes, you write this down. The word woe in the Bible is different from how we use the word woe. We might say, whoa, horsey, whoa. Or we might say, whoa, man, slow down, slow your roll, whoa. But when the Bible uses the word woe, listen, it's a guttural outcry of anger and pain. Isaiah 6, 5, woe is me. The book of Revelation speaks of the coming judgment as woes. It means to watch out. They are sure and they are certain. And when Jesus says woe, he's saying the things that you are about to hear are sure and they are certain. Woe number one. Woe to the Pharisees because of wrong priorities. Look at verse 42, if you will, in your Bibles. You tithe and you pass over justice and the love of God. Listen, the tithe in the Jewish mind is very important. It was a very important to Pharisees. It was a religious obligation. They went beyond the law of tithing from the land and they took it to the kitchen. And they ritualistically counted out every tenth leaf of mint and every tenth seed of dill and cumin. Nine for me, one for God. Nine for me, one for God. And Jesus is saying, you're all tied up in knots about these petty, picky, non-essentials, and you really miss the important stuff. How about some equitable judgment? How about some mercy? How about some faith? How about some love of God? You know, way before Tina Turner, the Pharisees were singing, what's love got to do with it? And Jesus is saying, your, your tithing would be fine if your heart was right toward God. You are majoring on the minors. You're putting religion over relationship. Now, listen, don't miss this. Jesus isn't saying you don't need to give to God. He says the things you ought to have, that you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. And isn't it sad? This is a picture to me largely of the church today. People get all caught up in the petty things. What do we wear to church? How many of you invited somebody to church? And one of the first questions they asked is, what do I wear? You know what we say here at Calvary Chapel? Something. <laughs> Cover that up. <laughs> but I'm in shape. I've been working out. Nobody don't want to see that. <laughs> Cover it up. Wear something. We don't care. People get all caught up in the stuff some years ago. I was a new Christian, and my wife had been a Christian for a long time. We got married, and we're going to this church. This one lady came up to her. This lady, she was, she was spiritual, y'all. Spirit, holy. Just holy, big Bible. You know, you, you spirit filled when you The spirit got you, <laughs> you know. And honey, you remember this. She walked up to my wife and she said, she said, my wife had a business suit on. I thought it was a nice suit. You know, it has a little split up the, up the back. And it wasn't like a split. <laughs> it was a, a normal split for a skirt. She walked up to my wife and said, child, let me tell you, Sister Finch, Sister Finch, <laughs> Sister Finch, that split ain't saved. That, oh, that split ain't saved. Remember that? That split ain't saved. We got home and she said, honey, well, sister so-and-so said that split, that, that my split on my suit wasn't saved. 
I'm a new Christian. I, I honestly didn't know that clothing could be saved. I went, can clothing be saved? I didn't know. Nobody told me this. She said, oh, that split, that split just not saved. And we get so caught up in the outward that we forget about the heart. Listen, we don't make an issue here of clothing here at Calvary Chapel. We just say, come as you are. And people, you believe it or not, people come to me and they say, hey, Pastor Rodney, did you see what that person was wearing? This happens on a fairly regular basis. Oh, they, they, oh this lady came in and she was, oh, she just said dress was so tight. And everything was, and oh, Pastor Rodney said everything was just so tight and everything. Well, oh, and she had makeup, she had makeup on. And oh my goodness, she looked like a she-devil. <laughs> what you going to do about it? I'm like, nothing. How do you know that that's not all she had to wear to church? How do you know that she didn't just come from the club after being there all night and in the car the Holy Spirit told her to go to church and she came to church? How do you know? How do you know? And meanwhile, we as Christians, oh, I can't, I can't believe that I was dressed like that in the house of the Lord. You know, religious folk, that's how they talk. Don't religious people talk like that. You know why they talk like that? Because they're not making any sense. Because the reality is, listen, my job as a pastor is to teach the word of God and let the Holy Spirit dress folk. And you know what happens? What happens is you teach the word of God and then the light of the Holy Spirit shines on their heart and she's been coming to church dressed a certain way and the Holy Spirit says, ah, you probably should wear something a little bit more appropriate. Yeah, I'll go out and get a, a church dress or what, a pair of pants or something. Holy Spirit does it every time. I don't have to be concerned about that and neither do you. The Holy Spirit does the work. We just need to focus on teaching the word of God and we've got to be careful to avoid these legalistic trips. The church is so often distracted about trivial stuff while the world's going to hell. I read this before. I'm going to indulge you again. A preacher made the point, this point at his church about focusing on trivial things. He said, in the hour it takes me to preach this sermon, 250,000 people across this country will have died not knowing Jesus Christ and going to eternal destruction. He said, and most of you people don't give a damn. And then he said, and you are shocked because I said the word damn and not shocked because 250,000 people are going to hell. Isn't that true? And Jesus says, listen, you're counting out your seeds, but at the same time, your heart is filled with adultery and envy and bitterness and anger, and you're sitting at the dinner table cleaning the outside of the cup, but inside you're dirty and unclean. Woe number two to the Pharisees in verse 43, for you love the box seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace. In other words, they put reputation above character. And they love the praise of men instead of serving the people. They wanted to be esteemed by the people. You know, someone once said, reputation is what people think we are and character is what God knows we are. Everyone thinks you're one thing, but inside you know you're something else. Woe number three to the Pharisees in verse 44. To the scribes and the Pharisees, you hypocrites, because you're like graves which are seen. And the men who walk over them are not aware of them. And this really, really, really made them mad. Keep in mind the context. Jesus is sitting over a dinner table. It's like 
Great dinner conversation. Hi there, fella. <laughs> They're probably thinking to themselves, well, we will never invite Jesus for dinner again. And this really made them mad because in those days, listen, they had a custom to paint tombs white, gravestones, grave tombs white on the outside. And every Jew could see it from a distance because it was unlawful for a Jew to touch the dead or even to come within a certain number of feet of the dead. And sometimes they put flowers on the tomb and make them beautiful. And Jesus is saying, you look beautiful on the outside, but inside you're dead. You have a defiling effect, Jesus says, on everyone you come in contact with. You are like graves and people are being defiled by you and they don't even know it. Wow, those are some harsh, biting words. And unfortunately, you know, if you, like I, grew up in a religious system of church, you were being defiled by it, and you didn't even know it. And you could go to church every Sunday, but if you're not hearing the pure, listen, if you are not hearing the pure, unadulterated message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a clear, teaching way that God's word is being taught, if you go to church and you don't hear that, you are being defiled and you don't even know it. And I'll say this, yes, in our country today, most of what you are hearing from the pulpits of America is a defiling message. It is a defiling message. Name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, it's yours. Speak that thing, man, you gotta speak that thing. Here's another catchphrase in the church, you gotta work the word. Oh, you gotta work that word, work the word, and you'll get what you want, can I? Work the word. What is wrong with people? You don't work the word. The word is not a tool for you to work to get what you want. The word, this is God's word to change your life and to prepare you for the life after this life. This is not God. I'm going to wait while y'all clap y'all. God is not the cosmic bellhop. He's not here for your room service, ready to just show up with this black suit on and a towel over the arm. What can I get for you today? All you got to do is name it and you can have it. That's a defiling message. Can I tell you something? The prosperity message is a defiling message. Now, I know that's not, I know what I just said probably makes some of y'all mad. I don't know who. Would you stand? <laughs> I just want to know so I can get a lot of security around me after serve. That's all. I don't know. But I'm, I'm, don't misunderstand me. Our God will supply all your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. <laughs> But nowhere in the Bible does it say that God will supply all your greed. No, I believe in, don't misunderstand, I believe God will bless his people. And I believe there's some people in the church, God wants you to be rich. God wants you, I wish I was one of them, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not, but, but, but I wish I were. I really wish I was. Did I tell you I wish I was? But I'm not. Did I tell you I'm not? (laughs) 
but I wish I were. <laughs> because God knows the individuals who can handle that and will take what he has put into their hands and use it for the glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. So there are some people, God wants you to be rich, but let's not start demanding God. God is God, not you. And you don't just, you know, I want this and I want that and I want, that's a defiling message. A message that we need to be hearing from the pulpit is a message of the love and the grace of God, the clear teaching of the word of God. Teaching the word, believe in the whole Bible, not a Bible full of holes. There's more in the Bible than money. There's more in the Bible than faith. There's more in the Bible than prosperity. There's more in the Bible than the blessings that come to you. There's a God to be worshipped and people to be loved. That's what the Bible teaches. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.